Today on the In All Kinds of Weather forecast, we play catch up. DeAndre Robinson and Jameer Grimsley give the Gators two late additions to the 2024 recruiting class. The Gators are under investigation for their recruitment of Jaden Rashada, the story that just will not die, and much more. We'll break it all down. We'll get caught up on everything we've missed while we've been away, and we'll talk big picture for Gator football and where things stand as we enter the month of February in a critical offseason for Billy Napier. This is the In All Kinds of Weather forecast. Welcome back to the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. I am your host, Neil Shulman. My co-host, Chris Yanes, is in the middle of some real-life stuff right now. No worries. He isn't going anywhere. He will be back. He will be back soon. Just some stuff that had to be taken care of. But for this show, it's just yours truly providing some insight and breaking things down that have happened in the last month since we've been on hiatus. A ton has happened, so let's get right into it. First, want to shout out Gator women's tennis alum McCartney Kessler in her Grand Slam tennis debut, winning her first ever singles match at a major in the Australian Open. McCartney Kessler was a big part of the Gators' special 2017 national championship team, the seventh title in school history. Fun story here, she actually was planning to give up tennis following her college career and ended up the professional workforce, but her younger brother, McLean, who was also on the Gator men's tennis team recently, actually convinced her to give pro tennis a shot. Really cool story there. Two Gators, little brother talks big sister into giving her dreams a chance. Big sister then follows her dreams, wins a match in the main draw of the Australian Open with little brother cheering her on. So congrats, McCartney Kessler. Gator Nation is very proud of you, and we hope you will keep your pro tennis career going now that you have had a taste of success um, in the big stage. Of course, McCartney Kessler, not the only Gator to show up at the Australian Open. Former Gator men's tennis star Ben Shelton advanced to the round of 32 of the 128-player draw. Actually is a step back from his run to the quarterfinals a year ago, but nonetheless, he is currently a top 16 player in the world. He shows up, wins some matches at Wimbledon in France this summer, very well might hold that ranking and, and probably will sneak into the top 10 if he does really well in some of the, the lesser tournaments um, in between now and that. So that's Gator Tennis. That's the good news we've got today. Um, the other good news, I guess, is that Gator Baseball starts very soon, less than a month away. Um, a lot of talent does leave like Wyatt Langford, Josh Rivera, which actually to me is the one that that really hurts. Obviously, Langford is just an all-around stud, but Rivera really came on his senior season, and, and that's just left a huge vacuum that um, is going to have to be filled. Of course, the pitching, Hurston Waldrop and Brandon Sprout leaving, going to hurt the pitching side. BT Ryapel was just so good as a catcher. That's going to hurt. But there is a lot of talent coming back, and there's new talent coming in. So we'll do more of a preview show soon, but just real quick, some names to get to know and be excited about. Catcher Brody Donay comes over from VT. That's a plug-and-play replacement for Ryapel. Um, 2023 SEC Freshman of the Year in Colby Shelton comes over from Alabama. Also, a true freshman pitcher, Liam Peterson, just has nasty stuff. Not sure he'll get that. Uh, that, that weekend rotation slot, maybe not a top three starter, but he should see some action right away. And he has a very bright future ahead of him. So yes, Florida lost a lot from last year. Might even wager to say that the 2024 team 
won't be quite as dominant. Maybe you kind of expect them to take a little bit of a step back, but this is still the defending SEC champion and national runner-up for a reason. This will still be a very good team. Should make another legitimate run at Omaha. So stay tuned for all sorts of coverage about that as the season draws near. And then when it gets underway, we will be covering it a bit more extensively. So that brings us to Gator football right now, the topic that everybody came here for. I think the way to put it is this. Things are in a holding pattern right now. There's been some good news. We'll talk about that. There's been some bad news. We'll talk about that. And I think the key to the show is the bad news is is bad. We're not going to try to minimize it. The level of seriousness I do think should not be taken lightly to it. It's not as permanent as it seems. I don't think the consequences of the bad news are going to be as long lasting as maybe some think they can be corrected. The mistakes can be fixed. They can be compensated for. And let's start there. Let's start by talking about the transfer portal. One of the big things that a lot of people criticize Billy Napier for is a lack of urgency in the portal. And there is some legitimacy to that. Several weeks ago, I put out my top 10 transfer portal targets. I came up with that list by combining a few factors. One, do the Gators have a need at that position? How good are the players? Was there any real smoke for them to come to Florida? I kind of balanced those three things out and, and got my top 10 based on that. So with those criteria in place, my list was as follows. Texas DB, Jared Thompson, Washington DB, Michelle Powell, Pennsylvania defensive lineman, Joey Slackman, fight on for Penn, Alabama receiver, Malik Benson, Liberty receiver, CJ Daniels, Alabama corner, Des Ricks, Ohio State receiver, Bryson Rogers, South Alabama DB, Yam Banks, Tulane DB, DJ Douglas, and Alabama running back, Roy Dale Williams. So that was my top 10. And now it's going to be a little painful, but go down the list. And this is, again, this is just a snapshot of where things stood before this past weekend, where things did turn around and we will give Napier and the Gators their due. We will give them credit for it. But this is just a snapshot of where things stood before this weekend when things got good. So going back to that top 10, Jaron Thompson, Miss Auburn, Michelle Powell, Miss Miami, Joey Slackman. We got him. That's a big get. We needed him. We got him. Great. Awesome. CJ Daniels, Miss LSU. Malik Benson, Miss FSU. Des Ricks, Miss Texas A&M, another team on the schedule. Bryson Rogers, Miss, went back to Ohio State. Yam Banks, Miss, went to another team on the schedule, Ole Miss. DJ Douglas, got him. That was big. We needed him. We got him. Great. Not diminishing that. That was, that was very good. Roy Dell Williams, Miss. FSU. So that is two for 10. Again, this was the initial list. Obviously the list changed. The list grew as things happened and players then additionally hit the portal, but that was the initial list that we had at the, in all kinds of weather forecast that we put out there on social media. A lot of those guys took visits to Florida indicating interest. Missed on eight of them. We closed on two Slackman and Douglas and Here's where it's worth pointing out that Penn and Tulane are great academic schools. Florida, of course, very proud of being a strong academic institution. So those two guys had reason to like Florida anyway. Realistically, our coaches probably didn't have to do <clears throat> that much convincing to get them. So 
Again, this was as of before last week where things really did not look great for Florida in the portal. Yes, the Gators did pick up some other pieces that I do think can be of service. Um, example, Trickwise Bridges could be a sneaky good piece at corner. Not discounting that. Um, I, I like George Gums from Northern Illinois. I think he could be a, a dark horse on that defensive line. And obviously, you're never going to land all 10 of your top 10 prospects or 9 out of 10. But ideally, you would like to get 6 out of 10. Again, that are legitimately on your board. Not just any 6 of the top 10 guys in the portal. Not 6 of the 10 highest rated guys in the portal. But of the guys who show real interest, who visit your school, who you're talking to a bit, who genuinely seem interested, a great recruiter again, which is why we hired Billy Napier, a great recruiter should be shooting for six out of those 10. You land half of them, you get five out of 10, fine. No one's going to be upset about that. Can't go two for 10. Can't have that. You, you can't have 10 guys that are high on your board, that take visits to your school, that talk extensively with your coaching staff, miss on eight of 10. You, you just can't have that. And here's where I think some of the criticism comes in that is very, very valid. Napier is famous for his long eval processes. And sometimes, to be fair, sometimes that's a good thing. I have it on good authority, for example, that he had both Jakeem Jackson and Sharif Denson ahead of Cormani McLean on his personal board. Now, he wanted Cormani McLean. We didn't get him, and that hurt. But he had Denson and Jackson ahead of him on his board. So a lot can happen. A lot can change. By no means were Denson or Jackson up for All-American honors, but through their freshman seasons, I think we would say that those evals panned out, right? That looks like it's aged pretty well. Sharif Denson and Jakeem Jackson were more productive as true freshmen than Cormani McClain was at Colorado. You can also point to the moves at running back this cycle for that. Uh, for example, Florida lost Chauncey Bowens to Georgia. Fans were unhappy about that. Florida then counters by grabbing Cannon Daniels. The final rankings came out and Bowens drops precipitously in the rankings. Kenan Daniels overtakes him and is actually ranked higher to end the cycle. And, you know, by the way, Napier also signed the number one QB in the country and DJ Lagway and the number one defensive lineman in the country and LJ McCray. Overall, two of the top four players in the country, according to the 247 Sports Composite Rankings. So there are some data points that Napier does know what he's doing, that his long, thorough eval processes are part of a larger plan. There is legitimacy to that. I, I can't just destroy that argument it's it's not possible to completely rip that argument apart there is validity to it however some other times there just doesn't need to be that deep eval process sometimes napier just takes too damn long to sign off on whether or not florida should recruit a kid or not and that tendency absolutely kills florida in the transfer portal as i said a minute ago slackman and douglas are very intelligent kids, as evidenced by the fact that they started their careers at Penn and Tulane, respectively. The academics at Florida helped draw them in anyway. And yet, <sighs> even with Slackman, I don't, I don't know, uh, I mean, how much, I've, I've been kind of off the grid the last month or so. I haven't really been on social media as much, so I don't know what exactly is out there. But even with Joey Slackman, we were a lot slower than we should have been. If you remember 
there was some smoke for him to Florida in December. Crystal balls came in. We thought, yeah, we've got him. It's frustrating to recount this. Um, a little bit of inside info. I'll start by saying we got him. He is a Gator. He's not having second thoughts. He does not seem to be a threat to hit the portal this spring that I know of. So this story does have a happy ending. The protagonist does win the battle here. All's well. It ends well. But there was a moment with Joey Slackman where we almost screwed it up. We, we did not. He is a Gator. It ends well. Story ends well. We came dangerously close to blowing it with him. So again, I cannot state this enough. I'm not here to just poo poo on everything. I'm not here to just toss shade or be the Debbie down or whatever. We did land him. That is what matters most, but it's stuff like that where the prospect already likes Florida and he can play. And you just needlessly overcomplicate things by placing hurdles and obstacles in front of what should be a clear path to get him. So Napier needs to learn that lesson and frankly fast, because when your record's 11 and 14 heading into your third season, you don't have time to keep learning on the job. You've got to have learned past tense learned period and be better already for your mistakes. The, the being better because of your mistakes part has to start in year three. Now we can't have him keep making mistakes and keep learning from them. So Again, we got Joey Slackman, but it got a little hairy there. And I'm hopeful that that's the end of Napier's learning curve at the University of Florida. Probably won't be, but one can hope. Anyway, it's not all bad news because as fate would have it, patience did pay off this time. Florida got a second chance with some talented prospects that it missed on the first time around. Four-star defensive lineman DeAndre Robinson from Orlando picked Texas over Florida but he had second thoughts about that. So he was released from his NI, NLI, I should say, not NIL. He was released from his NLI, his letter of intent. And the Gators got a second chance to recruit him. Because the whole due diligence thing was already done on him, Florida was able to go after him pretty quickly and aggressively, and they got him. Same, by the way, with Jameer Grimsley, a four-star corner from Tampa. Again, Florida didn't really do anything special here. They were, for lack of a better way to put this, they were given a gift. Nick Saban retired. That was a gift. Florida had zero control over that. They didn't do anything to force that. That was a gift that fell into their lap. To Napier's credit, he turned that to his advantage. He used that to his advantage, and he wound up landing Jameer Grimsley. Took a second chance, but you know what? The Gators got the second chance, and they took advantage. So, that's what matters. Again, same with Joey Slackman. First chance, second chance, they're Gators. So that is what matters most. But there is a bit of uneasiness here because, again, I think a lot of fans would agree that we would all feel better if Florida collectively had its ducks in a row, had its NIL in order, in order and just straight up landed these kids out of high school and didn't have to go through this drama and didn't have to rely on the second chance. That, to me would be a whole lot more impressive than needing a second chance at recruiting a Robinson or a Grimsley. It would instill a lot more confidence in me. But again, bottom line, we did get them. So I think both sides have a point here. I think the glass half full people say we got them. Doesn't matter how we got them. They're Gators. And I think that's fair. The glass half empty people say, yeah, but it took you two tries to get them. You're not going to have two shots to get most kids. You can't count on getting a do-over. You're not going to get that mulligan. 
So we got lucky here and we better operate differently next time. We got away with it this time. I think both are valid. Um, but again, as we've said on the show before, we want this to be more interactive. We want to know what you guys think. So where do y'all stand? Are you concerned with the lack of urgency that Billy Napier and his coaching staff showed in the portal this year? Or are you of the mindset that, you know, it doesn't really matter how, what matters is that we got these guys. Let us know in the comments down below. That's the portal. That's where we stand right now there. Other main topic today, Gators are under investigation for their recruitment of Jaden Rashada, the story that just does not die. Just can't get it to go away. Can't get this kid's name out of our heads because it keeps popping up now in national stories. So I wrote an article about this on the website. Um, do have a little bit more information since then, but let's recap that really quick. So the very, very, very quick version of, of, of a just an ugly story is Gators wanted a QB. Miami also wanted the same QB. Miami got him. Florida was left with an empty bag. They wanted to try to take him away from the Miami Hurricanes. They went and they did so. It all seemed great. Rashada flipped from Miami to Florida. And the Gators, as it appeared, had their quarterback. Fast forward a few months. He signs his letter of intent, but then asks to be released from his letter of intent from Florida so he can go somewhere else. As it would turn out, this was because the money that was promised to him did not materialize. So he wanted to play somewhere else. The trust was broken. It just wasn't to be. So the fact of the matter is that a contract was promised to Jaden Rashada and then agreed upon by both sides. The agreed upon dollar amount was never deposited into Rashada's bank account. That's not an excellent look for Florida. However, I will also say that the contract clearly stated that either side could terminate the deal at any time. Gator Collective, which was then the Florida NIL partner orchestrating that deal, thought twice about signing an unproven prospect to such a gaudy deal, and they exercised that right, and they pulled the plug on it in early December. Rashada then chose to sign with Florida anyway. Apparently, he was thinking the money was going to appear at some point. It did not. He was released from his LOI and transferred to Arizona State. That all touched off an investigation. Now, Eddie Rojas, Gator Collective founder and CEO, is taking a lot of the heat here. And I guess to a degree that's fair. A deal was signed. Gator Collective did terminate it. In that sense, you could say, yeah, kind of. I can see why you want to blame Eddie. I will again point out that the contract very much allowed Eddie to do that. But here's where it gets tricky. Rashada signed with Florida thinking that the money was just going to materialize out of thin air, basically. There was, there was just no guarantee of anything, at least in writing, that was signed when he came to the University of Florida. And to me, that's a big red flag because you have this deal where everyone's already uncomfortable with it, right? Like, Everyone already knows you're getting an obscene amount of money to play for the Gators. Guys are talking about it as you're throwing passes at Elite 11 camps and whatnot. It falls through, you're getting no money now, and you still sign. So something just smells really fishy about that. The fact that he signed with Florida with zero NIL deal in place tells me, at least in principle, 
Maybe it was verbal. Maybe it was just implied. But that tells me that Jaden Rashada knew something. It tells me that Jaden Rashada had some reason to believe that there was at least some money, some some semi-comparable amount of money coming his way. He knew he wasn't going to get $13.85 million, but maybe he thought that it was going to be $10 million. Maybe he thought it would be $8 million. Maybe he thought $5 million would come his way. I don't know. But I do not believe, and, and I just find it really hard to believe that Jaden Rashada signed with Florida without having some legitimate reason to believe that several million dollars were coming his way. And my reasoning for this belief is Jaden's dad, Harlan Rashada, openly not my favorite person in the world. Um, I've never spoken with him directly, but I've seen correspondence from him. I know the way he communicates. He might be a, a snake, but that also means he's not stupid. And look, you can call him selfish. You can accuse him of living vicariously through his son, whatever. He's not an idiot. He wasn't going to let his son sign with Florida without having some real reason to believe that several million dollars were coming his way. So again, I don't have any hardcore proof of this. I don't have any evidence. I don't pretend to know the details of exactly how this went down, but just using some logic and reasoning, I mean, if you, if you think about it, like if you put yourself in his shoes, right? Like let's say you're a four-star QB, you're a blue chip athlete who has a deal for almost $14 million to sign with the school. The deal falls through for you. You're crushed. You're not getting any money. You just lost $14 million. You lost $13.85 million. And then you, let's just say that you signed with Florida anyway. Now, why would you sign with Florida anyway after you've just seen yourself lose $14 million? What reason would there be? What logical, rational, sane reason would there be for you to then sign with that school? Because remember, Eddie Rojas and Gator Collective terminated that contract in early December. Jaden Rashada signed to Florida a month later. So again, put yourself in Jaden's shoes. Why would you sign with that school? that you were supposedly getting $14 million from if you didn't have reason to believe that some amount of money was coming away, maybe not 14 million, but you were going to recoup some of that. What other reason would drive you to put pen to paper or electronically these days and sign your letter of intent to the university of Florida? I know everyone's blaming Eddie Rojas, founder of Gator collective. It is worth pointing out. He is actually not the one under investigation right now. According to multiple reports, it is alleged that Marcus Castro Walker is being investigated on the Florida staff, along with mega booster Hugh Hathcock that has not been confirmed yet. But those are the rumors that are out there. And there is no rumor that is being spread by the people out there who love nothing more than to spread rumors. Not one of them mentions Eddie Rojas. I will also tell you, I have a very strong reason to believe this too, Marcus is not really at fault here either. So again, I don't have every text. I don't have um, I don't have any recordings or anything. I, I don't have stuff like that in hand, but I have it, I have a real reason to believe that Marcus Castro Walker is actually on the good side of this story. So again, that's one side of the story. There are three sides to every story. There's your side, their side, and the truth. 
I do have real reason to believe that Marcus Castro Walker was not the antagonist here. But again, there is still a lot we don't know. There's a lot I don't know. I don't pretend to have all the facts here. We're just going to have to wait and see how the investigation plays out. So that's where the investigation stands now. Looking ahead, looking ahead to potential punishments and, and ramifications for Florida. I'm pretty sure Florida is going to be penalized to some degree. I would be very surprised if the NCAA comes down too hard on Florida, unless new information comes to light from what has seemed to have been gathered to this point, I think we're looking at a couple lost scholarships, which look, you know, you, you do your evals, right? Barring massive injury problems. Isn't really the worst thing in the world. Not ideal for sure. Not too crippling. So probably looking at some recruiting limitations, which in the world of NIL doesn't mean a whole lot either. The best NIL package will beat the best recruiter nine times out of 10. Obviously, Florida does have an AD who's been pretty openly hostile toward the idea of NIL and the Gators absolutely do need to up their NIL game. But on the other side of that, they did land DJ Lagway. They did land LJ McRae. Clearly, something is working. Clearly, some of the gears are turning correctly here. Got to get the rest of the pieces in sync, though. The point is, you take away a recruiting weekend, or if you limit Florida's contact period, or if you limit the number of kids you can bring on official visits, the easy way around that is, look, don't F around. Get your pitch ready. Make it good enough. Present it concisely and clearly enough to the kids that you don't need to keep bringing them back for extra visits. I mean, if we learn anything from the FSU punishment that the NCAA handed down earlier this month, Hugh Hathcock actually might take the worst of it. And I say that just because FSU was forced to disassociate from the booster involved in their issue for three years. Of course, I don't know exactly what Hugh Hathcock did. We just know that the booster involved in the FSU case was disassociated from the FSU um, booster base for three years. If the NCAA follows their own precedents, if they find that Hugh Hathcock did do something similar to what the FSU booster did, Logic does indicate that our version of the booster might face something similar. Of course, that is if the NCAA finds him guilty of wrongdoing, which they might not. It is very possible that Hathcock did something um, or did, did not do something that is going to be worthy of significant punishment. We don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. And I do think Florida is looking at probation, regardless of how this turns out. I think it doesn't matter what the NCAA finds. Probation meaning just don't do it again. You do something else while you're on probation, you're you're in big trouble then. Um, but if you don't do anything else wrong while you're on probation, you can get away with it. You'll be fine. Probably have to pay a few thousand bucks worth of fines. And this will all be buried. So again, there are a lot of pieces we do not know. We do not know the involvement um, extent of Hugh Hathcock, who is the one mentioned um, in, in those rumors, we do not know the potential ramifications that could come for Jaden Rashada, if any. We do not know exactly what the NCAA has. We do not know what they're going to find. So we just have to wait and see on that end. But something I feel I feel pretty confident in saying something is coming for Florida. I do think the Gators will avoid the worst of the punishments. Um, I don't think that the NCAA is going to find that Florida um, did anything especially egregious. I don't think the Gators get hit with the dreaded lack of institutional control charge, which typically is what paves the way for the worst types of punishments, like 
bull bans, forfeited wins, which is just ridiculous because Rashada never played a snap in Florida. So I think that Florida is going to see a good chunk of discipline coming, but nothing that is too debilitating, nothing that is too crippling for them in the long term. Of course, as is the case with everything else, we're just going to have to wait and see. Cannot be clear enough about that. There is just a lot we don't know. A lot of players involved here. I wish I had more information. I wish there was more information for us to discuss, but those are some of the names that are being floated out there. We're just going to have to wait and see what is found to have been done by those players involved. And that's our show. If you enjoy listening to or watching this episode, please give us a thumbs up and subscribe to our channel. Comment your thoughts on what was discussed here today. And until next time, this is Neil Shulman of the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast signing off. Um, oh, before I do, I guess I should probably talk about our merch. Got the hoodie here. Got the nice tumbler here. The hat. Got pint glasses. We've got koozies. Good for a nice hot day in the swamp. These are custom made, by the way, so it will take a little bit of time to get your way, but perfect time to order them now and get them in time for baseball season. Front and back. Got the quarter zip right here. All kinds of good stuff available. Go to inallkindsofweather.com slash merch to get yours today. That is inallkindsofweather.com slash merch. You can find everything you're looking for to show off your Gator fandom. So that's all we've got today. Until next time, y'all, take care. Go Gators.